When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is good, everyone? Welcome to KGW's 3-on-3 Blazers. My name is Orlando, joined as always by Jared Cowley, Nate Hansen, and Max Barr on the ones and twos. It is so good to be back, guys, doing this thing via Zoom. Good to see your faces again. You know how we roll. We do this once a week. Everything you need to know about the Portland Trail Blazers. So thank you to everyone for rocking with us, for subscribing, for giving us those positive reviews, letting everyone know about the podcast. It really helps us out as we continue to grow this podcast. So thank you so much for tuning in with the KGW 3-on-3 Blazers. All right, guys, not exactly the, the type of week we were hoping to be talking about after what was last week. Nate Hansen was on cloud nine, man. I thought the Blazers may never lose again. It, dude, it yeah, was the, Nate? we we should have known this was going to happen. It was the kiss of death, man. <laughs> once once you had me on board, once I was on board, this team was bound to fail. It was not success could not continue to thrive as long as I was on the bandwagon. And you know that that's just what happened this week. And and we thought it was a possibility that the Blazers, you know, at some point would come back down to earth. We'll talk about it more. They've not only come back down to earth, they've crashed deep into the earth's core over the last three <laughs> games. So they, we're not, we're not even talking about like evening out necessarily. We went from an extreme high to an extreme low Blazers fans. I feel like there's, there's a segment who I think are just like, yeah, this is how a season goes. And there are others who are back to the doom and gloom of the post the post Milwaukee game when the team was like 10 and nine or whatever, uh, man, it was a week though. They, at least they're giving us stuff to talk about, man, this team, they're not just going through two and two here. Like they, they could have been going through this whole stretch two and one here, one and two here. And we just be like, cool. They're a 500 team. We don't, we, we know what they are. It's not a ton to talk about, but we go from great eight of nine to what we saw the last week. Yeah. I don't even and- know what to say. Like, I I really wanted to hear what Nate had to say because I remember last week on the podcast he was talking about how if they lost all their games this week I think he brought that up he would be he'd uh, rip them a new one on this podcast and I think that we're in for that and I'm uh, excited to hear Nate kind of get back to uh, his pessimistic ways because I think that's when the Blazers thrive when Nate's against them they play well so get back on it Nate. I, I do feel I do feel betrayed. I'm not gonna lie. I do feel <laughs> That's betrayed. Right. That's what you I, said. I hopped on, said they would go three and zero last week, and they of course did the complete opposite. So I 100% feel betrayed. I feel <laughs> no way responsible for what happened. Uh, just just throw it out there. No guilt whatsoever. The accuracy though, man. Like I I've been waiting to hear hear from Nate. In fact, since that first game on Saturday, uh, I mean, we all thought that that Wizards game was just a guaranteed win. Lock it up. We're not even going to talk about it. But yet here we are. So you know how we do things around here. There's three questions, three answers, because there's three of us. So let's dive right into question number one, and that's that the Blazers have now lost three in a row. So, guys, can you give the Blazers fans 
one reasons one reason why they should be concerned and one reason why they should remain optimistic guys how do we want to play this let, let's do one at let's do all talk about our concern and then or okay. optimism and then do the other one later which one do we want to start off good news or bad news to start, let's start off with, with bad news i i bad want news. to go Zip all in yep dude i think you guys are gonna be disappointed because overall i'm generally <laughs> not i have my belief in this team has not really wavered over the last week despite how bad i described it earlier my as we're, we'll talk about why fans should be optimistic my notes for that are much longer than why fans should be concerned because to be honest my level of concern is not not high at all uh i guess if you wanted to find something to pick apart the defense again is another area again we talked last week about how it seemed like uh the team had played mediocre defense for when they won eight of nine games and they're ranked 17th in defensive rating during that time and we're like we don't know if it's a product of they're actually improving or because out of those nine teams, like five of them were in the bottom 10 in offensive rating this year. And it turns out it was probably the latter, that they were playing some bad offensive teams and they benefited from that. Because during this stretch, they've played some good offensive teams and the Nuggets and Suns are both top 10 on the year. And the Wizards aren't great on the year, but they've won five of six and they're 12th in the NBA during that span. So in the recent hot streak, they've been in the top half of the league. And the Blazers' defensive rating uh, over the last three games has been the worst in the NBA at 123.6 points per 100 possessions. But the reason I'm not that concerned, you can be concerned about the defense, is because we talked about this before weeks ago. They're still without Yusuf Nurkic, who is the key, the cog to this defense. And so without him, you're still grading everything a little bit on a curve. Now do the Blazers, is it a good sign? that the Blazers are dead last in defense when they played some good offensive teams? Of course not. So that's why you can have some level of concern. But I guess to me, that was my initial instincts. I just went to the defense. They, they played poorly over the last three games, that's for sure. Um, and then the other thing that kind of caught my attention a little bit is the records against opponents that are 500 or better so far this year is 5-8. and eight. It's not terrible. It should be better. But again, you, I, they have a bunch of those games. They haven't had CC McCollum or Yusuf Nurkic. So you're again, grading on a curve. So to me, yeah, they lost three games, but my level of concern is not too high right now. I'm sorry to let you guys down. I didn't come out here and this just destroy them for what happened last week. Yeah. What a disappointment. I, I really <laughs> thought Nate was going to bring it. Wait, are you more disappointed? Are you more disappointed in me? Or are you more disappointed in the Blazers over the last week? Um, definitely you, because <laughs> last week you promised me that if they lost all these games, it was just going to be, you know, hellfire. And, you know, it just Jared, wasn't. Jared, Jared, I recently turned 29. I'm just maturing, <laughs> man. I'm just maturing. I appreciate that. No, I mean, you're right, man. Like, it's a three-game losing streak. It's no fun, but it's not time to just, you know, end the season. Listen, we kind of knew, we talked about this, like you said, uh, they were playing with fire a little bit like this team. They are surviving because they have depth and because Damian Lillard has been playing such great basketball, but they, they really, they live and die by the three, you know, their, their margin of error is, is pretty small. And we just saw them run into some good teams. You know, even the wizards who aren't a good team have been playing well lately. I, I just think it comes down to this. I don't think the blazers are as good as their record. And so this kind of gave us a, you know, 
some reality here. If you look back at, and I, I know I've talked about this before, I'm a bit of a broken record. You look at point differential and ESPN's RPI or the NBA equivalent of RPI, those are good accurate indicators of how good a team actually is. You look at the point differential, yes, the Blazers are fifth in the West still with an 18 and 13 record, but their point differential is negative 0.8 and that ranks ninth in the West. I know I've said this on the podcast before, but point differential is a better indicator of how good a team is than win-loss record. If you go by point differential, here's how you rank the West right now. Jazz, Clippers, Suns, Lakers, Nuggets, Warriors, Pelicans, and Spurs. That's the top eight. Outside the top eight, you have in this order the Blazers, Mavericks, and Grizzlies. And to me, that kind of makes sense. By point differential, the Blazers aren't really in that tier that's competing for home court advantage, which we kind of maybe thought they were when they were winning six in a row and we were really high on what they were doing. Even though their record places in there in the standings, they're not on par with teams like the Suns and Nuggets. That was obvious this week. They're more in that last tier of playoff hopefuls with teams like the Spurs, Pelicans, Mavericks, Warriors. You move past point differential, you look back at the RPI rankings, the Blazers' strength of schedule is tied for 17th. That adds up too. We talked about this before. We know the Blazers haven't had the toughest schedule. We know they kind of built that winning streak on the backs of some pretty bad teams. They've been able to keep it together without two of their three best players, partly because of that. So when you look at their estimated win-loss percentage in the RPI rankings, and that takes into account a team's strength of schedule and its point differential, the Blazers' record should be 15 and 16. If that's their record, they're right there where point differential says they should be, around 10th place in the West. And so that's what I'm trying to get at. Right now, that's how good this Blazers team actually is. They're not the caliber of a home court advantage playoff team. They're, they're the caliber of a playoff hopeful. But at the same time, you can put some silver lining on what's a pretty cloudy outlook there. They're not in 10th place. Their record isn't 15 and 16. And it's a credit to the Blazers, despite this ugly three-game losing streak, that they've taken care of business where they need to, that they are five games over 500, and they're still fifth place in the West. They're ahead of where every single one of us thought they'd be at this point in the season after we assess their outlook following the injuries to C.J. McCollum and Yusuf Nurkic. Major credit for that goes to Damian Lillard, his teammates, and the coaching staff. They're still right now, even with this three-game losing streak, streak, they're playing above their station this season, especially since the injuries. So this losing streak gave us a look at reality, but they're still playing better than we expected them to. So it's kind of half concern, half optimism with that for me. Man, Jared, I'm not going to lie. I came away listening to that feeling pretty optimistic if I was a Blazers <laughs> fan. Like you said, there, you basically said they're playing worse than what the record indicates, but yet they've somehow managed to win games despite not playing as great. And I get you're saying that this is there's going to be a, an even out pattern is essentially right. what you're getting at at some point. But if I'm a Blazers fan, I'm still taking I'm taking a little more than a silver lining probably on what you just said and being like, yeah. We should be at 15 and 16 and we'd have two of our best players down and yet we're still 18 and 13 and yet we're still competing for home court advantage. But your general point uh, is that, yeah, this at some point, if this can, if they continue to play the way they've been playing, the metrics say it's going to even out and they're going to lose some of the games we've seen them win. Yeah. And I mean, I think the record right now is honestly, it's more indicative of an, an easy schedule than it is anything else. The reason they're five games over 500 is they played a lot more bad teams in this first half of the season than they have good teams. And unfortunately, you've seen, I mean, you mentioned their record against teams that are 500 or better, five and eight. 
but a lot of those games like have been bad losses yeah. losing by 20 30 points like this team really struggles against good competition to their credit they take care of it when they play bad teams but that's why they're five games over 500 but the point is like this team especially as they are now without McCollum and Nurkic they're they're a team that is really competing for one of those last playoff spots in the west they're not really competing for home court advantage not at this point so it's definitely a reality check for this team um and for, for its fans primarily for for the purpose of this discussion because that six game win streak was awesome it was amazing uh, thing to have Damian Lillard was was spectacular and playing elite basketball and so when your best player is on that level you have a shot to win a lot of games especially against the competition that they were facing and outside of Philadelphia maybe Dallas maybe but even then that's probably throwing them a bone like they're not really beating beating anybody to your point uh, this is totally a product of, of having a soft schedule early. And so now that we got the measuring stick out and said, all right, how good is this Trailblazers team currently constructed? Where are they at? And the Phoenix game in particular was such a wake-up call in terms of where the Blazers are at compared to a team that is rolling, that has the type of talent uh, to be a playoff team and, and one that's kind of where the Blazers want want to be or where we predicted they could be, you know, in that four, five slot, maybe Phoenix moves into three based on your, you know, uh, win differential numbers there to be, you know, that third team in the West or so. But it was just a, a nice reminder of, yeah, this is where the Blazers still have to go to get there. The other bummer is, you know, seeing Russell Westbrook put up a triple-double to, to have Washington – beat you like that uh that that can't feel good for the trailblazers but short term yeah it's a bummer to see this team lose this way three in a row is never fun um at denver i think jared and i both thought they weren't winning that game anyway um but just to get the brakes beaten off you the way you did in phoenix is what is such a downer about all of this but to your guys's point man like there's a ton to be optimistic about and you just hope that based on even the, 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 the video that the Trailblazers put out of Yusuf Nurkic and CJ McCollum at the practice facility, like just doing stuff, seeing that, that you know, they're smiling and, and Nurk is, is running through a couple of drills there and they're not in a boot or a cast. Like there's your, your optimism. That's your glimmer of hope that when these guys get back, we're going to see what this team can really be. But as it stands right now, I really think that this is more of a positive optimistic conversation than anything, even though they're in the midst of a three game losing streak and could end up being a four or five game losing streak uh, with the upcoming games that they have. But that's got to be the focus, getting to the all-star break, minimizing as much damage as you can, because you've put yourself in a great position. You've overachieved based on the losses that you've had so far with two of your three best players out there. So I think this is, the three-game losing streak is a reality check. It's a punch to the gut. But big picture, you are in a great position going into the second half of the season to be able to do the things that you wanted to accomplish, solidify a, a playoff spot, and, and make a run. Yeah, I mean, the optimism, I, I, like I said, my list for optim to reasons to be optimistic is way longer. And the first is they're 18 and 13. Yeah. Like, if you had told us 
Yusuf Nurkic, I think, got hurt on January 14th and CJ McCollum two days later. So if you told me on January 16th, 17th, the Blazers are going to be 18 and 13, we would have taken that and ran in a heartbeat that they were 18 and 13. We talked way back a month ago when those injuries happened. I thought the Blazers, if we were being optimistic, could be 18 and 17 going into the All-Star break. Jared thought 17 and 18 was optimistic. And they're still 18 and 13. And they still have games where they have winnable games here uh, before the all-star break coming up. And it's just a reminder that it's hard to win when your second and third best players are out. Like, that's the thing. Is this team, you're right, Orlando. The Phoenix game was a measuring stick game of where are the Blazers right now versus where they want to be. But the Blazers, imagine if Phoenix played that game and they didn't have Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton playing in that game. And it was just Devin Booker against the full-strength Blazers. And the Blazers went and dominated them. We would have been like, the Blazers took care of business. They did what they should have done. So you can say the same with Phoenix. Yeah, they blew them out. Was it ugly? Absolutely. But Phoenix did what they should have. And, you know, they're a much better team talent-wise than the Blazers right now. We've seen it with other teams. The Lakers, without Dennis Schroeder and Anthony Davis, are on a losing streak right now. The 76ers, without Embiid, 1-5 this year. The teams at the top of the West have all pretty much stayed healthy. The Jazz have been healthy. The Clippers, for the most part, have been healthy. The Lakers have now suffered some injuries, which is why they're losing. And the Suns have been healthy for most of the year. And so... When you're winning, when you're playing without two of your three best players and the fact that you're still even in the conversation to be in home, to get home court advantage going into the playoffs. We said our goals a month ago would be they should avoid the play in tournament, the, the seventh seed, avoiding that by the end of the year would be a success. And the Blazers still find themselves in an opportunity where if they can stop this losing streak and get things on the right pattern before the all-star break, well, they'll be in positions to still be the four seed and have home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs for whatever that's worth. And so to me, there are lots of reasons to be optimistic. And this losing, Jared said this is a team that lives and die by the three. They totally. absolutely do. Totally. And guess what? They were red hot when they won eight of nine games. And they've been ice cold over the last three games. And if they make a few more shots against the Wizards in the fourth quarter, a few more shots against the Nuggets in the fourth quarter, guess what? They probably win those games. And those shots that they were making during the winning streak, they're not making now. And so that's the difference when this team's margin of error, as I believe Jared talked about, is so slim. That's the difference in a lot of these games, if, in the close ones at least, is if you make a couple more shots in the fourth quarter, you're probably going to win them. If you miss them the way the Blazers had did against the Wizards and Nuggets and Jamal Murray heats up like he did for Denver, then you're going to end up losing. And to me, this team, they're going through a cold stretch. I don't know how long it could continue. But they're going to go through a hot stretch again, and they're going to start winning some games again. So I'm, I'm still really optimistic on what this team could eventually end up being. Do you know how I know that Nate uh, has it going? Because I'm watching the Zoom here, and I'm watching Orlando just nodding his head. I'm watching myself. I'm nodding my head. Even Max nodded his head a couple of times. If you get a nod of the head from Max, you know <laughs> that you're <laughs> just spot on. Uh, yeah, Nate's right. I mean – the main reason for optimism for me and the reason I'm not tearing out the little hair I have on my head over this three-game losing streak is that it's just a cold streak on offense. That's all it is. I mean, their defense has been bad too, but of course it's been bad. Their beef defense is bad. The offense <laughs> has usually been good enough for the Blazers to beat teams even when their defense is bad, especially when they're playing bad teams, but it just hasn't been over the past three games. 
I don't think this is some new norm where suddenly the Blazers stink at putting the ball in the basket. Things are going to turn around. So for now, if you just look at this three-game losing streak, they look at how bad they've been on offense. Over the past three games, their offensive rating is 108.2. That would rank 23rd in the NBA over the season. It's a full seven points per 100 possessions below their season average. That's a really big gap. Right now, this team isn't good enough most nights to beat the majority of their opponents without Damian Lillard at, Lillard at the top of his game. And he hasn't been there the past three games. That's why their offense has struggled. His counting stats look fine. 28 points, 10.7 assists, 4.3 rebounds. But he's shooting 41% from the field and 34% from three. He hasn't been sharp, and the Blazers need him to be sharp. So I don't expect his slump to linger. And so that's part of the reason why I think that the Blazers are going to get back on track. I don't even... I don't know if it's attributable to Dame's struggles, but while he slumped, so have many of his teammates, all of whom were playing really well before. Gary Trent Jr., over the past three games, shooting 34% from the field, 32% from three. Anthony Simons, 23% from the field, 31% from three. Robert Covington, 30% from the field, 31% from three. Rodney Hood, 36% from the field, 17% from three. Carmelo Anthony and Ennis Cantor, to their credit, they've struck right around their season averages. So they've been as advertised. So why am I optimistic about this? Because that was a lot of ugly. It's because I don't think it's going to continue. Dame's going to get back on track. I think Gary Trent Jr. is going to get back on track. Probably Robert Covington and Anthony Simons too. I think once they break out of the slump, they'll go back to what they've been in the first half, which is a team that can beat bad teams and the occasional good team like the 76ers. And then sometime soon, you're going to get, like Orlando said, C.J. McCollum and Yusuf Nurkic back. And that's the main reason for optimism. It's something I do think we'll probably talk about a lot more in depth next week. But I have one more reason for optimism, and I want you to look at what Nate's favorite player, Derek Jones Jr., has been doing. Because over the past five games, not just these past three games, you can take it all the way back five games, he's averaging 12.6 points, 6.6 rebounds, and two blocks per game. And he's shooting 64% from the field and 43% from three. He's actually cracked the 30% mark on three-point accuracy for the season. So each game, I see him looking more and more comfortable in his role on both offense and defense, and I really like what I'm seeing out of him. So there's all my reasons for optimism. And Nate is laughing at me, and I am excited to find out why. <laughs> I'm laughing that you, that, yeah, you, you, you made reference to you, you made it sound like I hate Derek Jones Jr. <laughs> with, with what you said. Like, no, I have my reservations about Derek Jones Jr. And you answered why I have reservations because you laughed when he said he cracked the 30% <laughs> barrier shooting from three. So that's why I laughed. I, I'm glad you brought up all these splits because I had them in my notes too. The, the shooting splits have the Blazers, you know, Gary Trent was shooting like 48% from three during yeah. the winning streak. Damian Lillard was shooting. Uh, 38% from three, 44% from the field during the winning streak. All these guys were shooting better during the winning streak, which is why they were winning some of these games. And some of those guys, like I'm a little bit less confident about Robert Covington and Anthony Simons. I hope they do turn it around, especially Covington, because he's a difference maker. But I know Lillard and Gary Trent are good scorers, and I know they will turn it around. And the other, the other split I had, that shows because this team prior to this losing streak had been great in the fourth quarter, especially in clutch moments. They're 12 and three on the year and clutch is defined as 
game that's five points or less in the final five minutes of the game, they're 12 and three tied with the Lakers and 76ers a week ago in that department. And over the last three games, the Blazers have been 0 and two in those situations. Uh, during the winning streak, they were shooting 54% from the fields at clutch when they had won eight of nine and 77% from three in clutch moments when they had won eight of nine. And the last two games, which are the Wizards and the Nuggets, that they've had these clutch moments, they've shot 12% from the field and 20% from three. So the reason they're losing... Did you, you say 12%? Look, 12, 12%, 12% from the field oh in these clutch moments in the, la- in the Wizards and Nuggets game. So the reason, you can look at it and say, yeah, the defense is a problem and is an area of concern. But the reason they're losing now versus the winning they were doing earlier, Jared is right. It's because the offense hasn't been a top five NBA offense. It hasn't even been a league average offense over the last three games. And that's why they're losing. Their offensive rating in the clutch moments is 33 over the last two games. So this, this team's going to turn around offensively. This is, that's, this, that's their bread and butter. You know, they're going to get there. And like I said, there'll be a hot stretch coming up. They're just going through a cold one. And it happens when you shoot as many threes as they do. I think they shoot the second most of any team in the league. I think bottom line, when you're diving into the weeds here, I think that's, that's the one point to take away is that we've all kind of accepted how bad this team is defensively. So we know what we're going to get from this defense. If they get anything above that, it's a bonus. But this team lives and dies by the three. It's all about the offense. And I think that Wizards game was such the, the perfect example of, of the way that other teams want to play against the Blazers because they shot 55 three-pointers, the Blazers did, which is a franchise record in that game. And they only hit 19 of them, I believe. Yeah, they went 19 of 55. And so in those games where the Blazers put up that many three-pointers, even though their goal is to shoot more three-pointers, that's too many. And it hasn't worked out for them when they do shoot in that ballpark. They lose those games. And when Dame shoots 10 of 30 from the field, even though he got his points, like those are the type of numbers you want if you're facing the Blazers. Like that is a recipe to beat the Blazers. And I, this was a concern of mine that I bragged about as something positive for this team. But if Dame doesn't have it going, if they've taken Dame out of the game, these role players have to step up. That's what it would, that would be the difference in this team versus some of the teams of the past that have gotten into the postseason and they've pushed Dame out or they've made him use up so many shots, use up so much energy on offense and let other guys beat you. That's, that's been the recipe for this team. And so that's the one lingering concern that I've had is how good are these other guys going to be when they're relied upon, when they're counted on. And I'm hoping that those, those valuable minutes that they've gotten with CJ and Nurk out and all the other injuries that that helps them be comfortable in those positions. But this is an example of those times when it hasn't worked and Dame hasn't been on that all, you know, the, the uh, conference player of the week status that he was last week. MVP status, man. We were talking MVP last week. Yeah. And the, the numbers have been wild. And even, even his free throw shooting has been crazy. Uh, the way that the Dame is shooting in the upper nineties. You know, it's, it's a trip, but if Dame has an off night, I don't know how this team wins games, period. Especially- I mean, there were some games like when they were playing well um, where Dame struggled and the role players did step up around him. I mean, 
You look mm-hmm. at the the second win, I think it was against the Sixers. Like he yep. was six of twenty one from the field, didn't play well at all, and other players stepped up, and the the Blazers beat the Seventy Sixers. So it can happen, but it hasn't happened these these past three games. I mean, everyone it seems like has been in a slump at the same time, and you expect that to change at some point soon. It looked like, and while I was watching that Nuggets game, it looked like they might have been doing it. They did it for about three quarters in the yeah. Nuggets mm-hmm. game because uh, Dame wasn't having the best game, and guys like Mello were stepping up and helping carry the team. Uh, and then the fourth quarter came around, and you know, it we they of course went to Dame, and he he played better in the fourth, but they just they just weren't putting it getting any buckets uh, yeah. in that fourth quarter, especially when it got close to the end. You know, they kind of, they struggled and Denver made their shots. And that was kind of the difference in the game. Orlando mentioned the 55 threes. That reminds me of the Chicago game that they lost earlier at port at home. Remember that we, when we thought that was at the time, probably their worst loss of the year. And they fired up a ton of threes in that game too. And it was a source of conversation afterwards. So they put up a lot, but yeah, it seems if it seems you can get them a little trigger happy on some days. And when that happens, uh, they the Blazers can kind of lose themselves, I think, in some games. It doesn't happen often, but it can happen. And I guess if you're looking for something of concern, that's a very small nitpick that you can aim at. But you're going to have those games. It's a long season. It's the NBA, man. Yeah, and I mean, that's all you can ask for is that those role players get you to the fourth quarter and then it's Dame time in the fourth. But when yeah. Dame is off, I mean, it's, it's just it's so tough for this team to overcome if Dame isn't at that elite level and has an off night, which – every player in the NBA is going to have off nights. Yeah. So, I mean, like you said, we're, we're splitting hairs. We're nitpicking right now, but I think overall the big picture right now is that our level of concern hasn't really changed and it really isn't that high right now, regardless of the losing streak that they're on right now. But guys, there was other news in the NBA and that's that the schedules are out guys and the Blazers, they have their second half schedule and now we know all about it. So I want to get your guys' takeaways on it and, Jared, Max, you guys have done a good job on KGW.com of breaking down that schedule, and you guys can check it out there as well if you really want to get into the details about it. But just some of the, the headlines that we have listed there is that the Blazers play 10 sets of back-to-back games, which is pretty brutal. The Blazers play 19 home games, 18 road games. That's a total of 37 games after the break. Uh, the Blazers' longest homestand is five games from March 16th to the 23rd. They also will have a six-game road trip, and the way that the season ends, that is brutal. That is a gauntlet of teams to have to face to to close out the team, all teams that could be potentially fighting for playoff position at the minimum. So, guys, your take on the schedule, and, and now that you guys have seen it, what do you think about the Blazers' final 37 games of the season? I think the Blazers have their work cut out for them. Um, You look at all this depth they have, they're really going to need it because there's not a lot of downtime. Um, And I suppose that's expected. You think about it, the Blazers still have to make up those two games from earlier in the season when the Grizzlies were in quarantine protocol. But it's still brutal. Ten back-to-backs, we've seen that headline. But the overall rest of lack during this second half uh, of rest is staggering. Uh, They get two days off between games only four times through the entire second half of the season. So there's no downtime for this team. The end of their schedule also is, is brutal. It starts near the end of April, even before that, that road trip that we talked about. Before they even go out on that road trip, they've got four home games and six nights. 
and they play the Clippers, the Nuggets, and then the Grizzlies twice. Then they get one day off, and then they had out on the six-game road trip, which it's not – I mean, it's more than just six games. It's six games in six different cities in eight nights. Uh, that's brutal. The competition isn't easy either, especially at the start of the trip. They play the Pacers, the Grizzlies again, the Nets, the Celtics, and then they end with the Hawks and the Cavaliers. Then the Blazers get one day off, and then they finish the season against the Lakers, the Spurs, the Rockets, the Jazz, the Suns, and the Nuggets. Uh, th that last month and a half of the season is just a killer. Um, we've talked about the Blazers having a fairly easy schedule a lot in this podcast so far during the first half of the season, and it's going to come back to them in the second half. They're really going to have to earn it. The way I'm looking at this is at the end of this season, we're really going to get to see how close to contention this team actually is. We're going to see if this team is a contender that can reach the Western Conference Finals this season and then start building towards title contention next season, or, or they're not. This is Dame's prime. The Blazers can't waste it. We've talked about that. Knock on wood, the Blazers are going to be healthy in the second half of the season. We'll see what this team looks like at full strength against a tough schedule, a schedule that will get them geared up for the playoffs because they're going to play playing a lot of playoff caliber teams and playoff settings. The second half schedule is going to test them. And by the end of it, we're going to know exactly how good this team is. And it's either going to lead to a, a, a fun, lengthy playoff run and exciting hope for the future, or it's going to lead to major changes in the off season. That's how I see it. That's what this second half schedule sets up. And I'm excited to see how it plays out. Man, Jared, you painted a potentially very grim, very realistic, but a very, uh, grim picture potentially or grim scenario that the Blazers could find themselves into. Uh, we knew the second half was going to be tougher just because we talked about how easy the first half of yeah. the schedule was. I don't know if we anticipated how much of a time crunch they would be trying to squeeze these games in, but I can't, I'm going to be honest. I haven't looked at the other, all the other 29 NBA teams schedules, but I can't imagine. I imagine everyone's going to be playing under a time crunch and playing a lot of these, you know, six games in nine days or whatever type stuff. Um, the big headline is the just 10 back-to-backs just really quick. That is the second most in, in the NBA. Okay. So, so yeah. there you go. Everyone's going to be crunched. You're right. But the Blazers have it worse than most. Yeah. Uh, the playoff, it's all about playoff positioning here in the second half of the season. Uh, I think right now there are 11 teams competing for 10 playoff spots. If you count the play in uh, games, uh, and so the Blazers are, of course, amongst those 11. They should be amongst the top six or seven, hopefully by season's end. If, if they're healthy and play their potential, they should be amongst the top six for sure. Uh, but just in terms of the playoff positioning, they play the Suns twice in the second half, the Pelicans twice, the Mavs twice, the Clippers twice, the Jazz twice, the Spurs twice, the Nuggets twice, the Grizzlies three times, and the Lakers once. That's 18 of the 37 games. So that's half their games in the second half of the schedule are basically going to be jockeying for playoff positioning and who you're going to face in that first round in the postseason, which I absolutely love. I love it. And if you're the Blazers, yeah, you knew this was coming down the pike, but at least, fingers crossed, they should be healthy. Have CJ McCollum. Have Yusuf Nurkic back. And that goes to my second smaller take, which is the first part of the second half schedule is pretty manageable for the Blazers, which again, I think is good news for Portland because you're just trying to get CJ McCollum and Yusuf Nurkic back so that you have your best talent going against the best talent in the NBA and you have the best opportunity to win those games. Their first seven games, 
They start off with the Suns. That's undoubtedly tough, as we just saw this week. But then they get the Wolves twice. They get the Pelicans twice. And then they get the Mavs twice. Those are their first seven games in the second half of the season. And we've seen them beat all those teams except for the Suns in the first half of the season with the roster they currently have. And so to me, that last Dallas game, which is the end of those first seven games, it's March 21st. So they've essentially got themselves almost a full another month from now even, or at least another three weeks before you're going to be like, man, we really need those guys back. Of course, they need them back now. But they'll get to a point when we, they start playing all these good teams in the Western Conference. We're going to be like, they have to have Yusuf Nurkic and CJ McCollum back. And they, they bought them, the schedule bought them a little bit more time before the Blazers reach that point. So if I'm the Blazers, yeah, it's going to be tough. But we've seen them in the second half have t- a tough schedules and, and get through them, win games we didn't think they would. And then even last year in the bubble, I remember they released that schedule. We saw their schedule. We saw the Pelicans cupcake schedule. We were like, well, all of us said there's no way the Blazers are going to be the eighth seed and make the first round of the playoffs. It's going to be the Pelicans. And the Pelicans were a dumpster fire, and the Blazers did exactly what they've done most seasons, finish the second half of the year strong and win games we didn't think they would necessarily win. So, yeah, it's going to be tough, but I'm actually really excited to see what they do because Orlando mentioned Phoenix this past week going to be a measuring stick. Pretty much one out of every two games for the Blazers in the second half of the season is going to be a measuring stick game for them, which is going to be fun. Jared's right. We're going to get to see a ton of opportunities to figure out how good this team can actually be as long as they're fully healthy. And so there are scenarios where it could go really bad for the Blazers. It certainly could go south. But again, I'm like I said, it goes back to the first question. I'm optimistic, boys. I know you expected me to come out here, kill this team. I'm optimistic, and I'm looking forward to see what they what they do against that really good competition in the second half. I will say it was nice to take a little break from talking about injuries, but that is now going to be the topic every single week. It's we're going to be on Nurk and CJ watch because that's all that is going to matter because that's going to determine so much of how the rest of the season goes. Are they fine? Do they have any setbacks? What is practice like? Like this is going to be the theme for the Portland Trailblazers. It was nice to get that break, but here we are once again talking about injuries and what it means for this team. Like that has been the story since the beginning of time with the Trailblazers is is the health of players. And here we are again. But I do, I, I will say, I love this, this schedule from a viewer standpoint, oh, because we, we are going to be in playoff mode, like so early on in this schedule, because every single game, like teams could be moving multiple positions within the standings, like game to game or every other night. I love this. This gives us so much great content in terms of just what we're doing week to week on this podcast. So I love that from, from our selfish standpoint, it's going to be awesome. But I think the games are going to be great as well. The level of competition is going to rise and what better way to get ready for the playoffs than being challenged on a night to night basic uh, basis to get that tune up that you need, especially with guys that are returning and trying to get back into game form for a player like Yusuf Nurkic and CJ McCollum. Like these are going to be great for this team if they are in fact healthy. And I want to know what, what are what is this team's chances of reaching their goals? And we're going to see that when they face those teams that you guys mentioned and to have to do it, especially that back end, especially that last week and a half, that last nine days there that Jared mentioned, it's just wild, man. Like all of those teams are are bunched up 
in, in that spot right now, except for Houston. Like everyone else is bunched up right there. We're a game or two and you're going to start seeing teams shuffle. And so I love that because every game matters just a little bit more than it normally would at that time of the year. It's super dope. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, can't wait to get to that point of the season, but let's just hope that the Blazers are healthy. It remind that very last week of the season reminds me of like the first week of the season for the Blazers. Yeah. Who who they play to start off the year? It was the Jazz. The Jazz the, the, I don't they had the Rockets. They, the they even had the Rockets in there the as like the one easy game. Yeah. And then they had the Lakers, the Clippers, uh, and then the Warriors twice. That was yeah. the first six games for the Blazers. And that that's kind of what this reminds me of. It's like the Blazers bookend their schedule with tough six to start off, tough, really tough six to end. And then I'm not good at math. That gives you 60 in between that for the most part, the Blazers, at least for through the first half of it, have been able to slide through pretty easily. But the bookends of it, man, it's that last that last week in terms of playoff seating is going to be off the chain. It's going to be fun. And it sets you up nicely that theoretically you're going to have Nurk and CJ at their most healthy when that schedule really gets going. Um, and Nate, and I just want to re- reiterate the point that he made about the, the Blazers kind of history with this in this Dame era of the way they've played in the second half. They go on these runs in the second half and it doesn't matter who's on their schedule. You know, they are beating the bad teams. They're beating the good teams. They're beating the best teams when they get hot in the second half. That's what happens. And, and that, you know, this second half schedule sets up that kind of scenario or at least the opportunity for it. And so it's really exciting because there's so much, you know, weighing on, there's so much depending on, on how the Blazers perform during this stretch. And, and it's going to make for a really exciting second half of the season. Oh, it's coming. That, that Dame run, that uh, Blazers run, it, it's going to happen. It's just when, and I don't think you're being dramatic at all in the weight of how this season ends for this team. Oh, not at like, all. I, this is, this is a pivotal moment in the Damian Lillard era. And if they underperform or don't look like they're headed in the right direction, like if Dame can't look back and think, man, we're right there. If this or this goes well, we're in the conference finals or we're in the NBA finals. Like if Dame doesn't have that, ooh, there's going to be changes within this team. It's uh, the most pivotal. It's the most pivotal end of the season they've had since the end of the last year when LaMarcus was here. Uh, that there's there's a lot weighing for this team in terms of who comes back for the following season it's going to be based on how they finish the regular season and even more so what happens in the playoffs but if they want to have success in the playoffs they're probably going to need to have success at the end of the regular season to put themselves in a better matchup to have success in the postseason i think max was raising his hand oh yeah um one thing to keep an eye on the first thing i thought of with those 10 back-to-backs Will CJ play back-to-backs? He's uh, coming off a foot fracture. We don't know when he's coming back. Nurkic, wrist fracture, a little bit different, but I think there's a strong possibility that CJ is rested in at least some of these back-to-backs, which, which could really hurt. So yeah. something to keep an eye on. I love That's that interesting, that, yeah. I love that you brought that up because that was one of the final points I wanted to make, not, not from a CJ perspective, but from a general, you know, overall coach thoughts, has to consider load management in, in some of these games. If they're getting beat, wave the white flag. Don't let Dame go out there and use up all that energy to, you know, try and turn a 25-point deficit into a dozen 
but they still lose type scenario because Dame's going to want to play every single game. If he's okay, he's going to want to be out there. And if, if you're getting waxed the way you were at, uh, against Phoenix, like rest everybody, send the young guys out there, let them have their moments. Or if a game is starting to get away, throw, throw out Nasir, throw out those guys, see what they can give you at those points, because you've got to be thinking bigger picture. You've got to be thinking end of the season playoffs and you need your guys healthy. And so that if that means you sacrifice, you know, maybe a better seed, so be it. Because you want to give you guys the best opportunity, even if that means a tougher opponent in the playoffs. I think load management could be an issue or something that we'll be discussing as we go down the line. And to Max's point, man, the amount of miles that CJ puts on, the style of play that CJ has, like that's going to be a factor. And not just in blowouts. I mean, I think you can also, I mean, we've seen guys step up in the absence of CJ McCollum and Yusuf Nurkic. Um, you can steal a couple extra minutes here and there for, for Damian, even for CJ, yeah. for Nurkic to keep them fresh. I mean, the difference between these guys playing maybe 34, 35 minutes a night and 37, 38, that's a huge difference. It really adds up. And so you can steal a couple of those minutes and, and put a little more trust in guys like Anthony Simons and Gary Trent Jr. to continue to play the way they have stepping in for these injured players. And if you don't take advantage of what they've shown now later on in the season to, to put yourself in better position, then some of this, you know, development we've seen from them will be wasted. Oh man, you guys got me a little hyped. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm looking forward to what what's ahead for this team. And I didn't expect that going into this conversation, knowing that the team is on a three game losing streak right now. So I got to thank the positivity of Nate Hansen once again, coming <laughs> yes. through the, the MVP. Yep, it, MVP. It, <laughs> it's, it's that maturity I referenced earlier, fellas, you know, it, it's hap- Max is shaking his head. Uh, no, it's happening. It's happening guys. You're wis- you're witnessing maturity in front of your eyes and to the listeners, you're hearing it in your ears, maturity growing. It's incredible, man. It really is. All right, guys, it's prediction time. The Blazers play four games between now and next time we meet Friday at the Lakers, then three home games, Monday against the Hornets, Wednesday against the Warriors and Thursday against the Kings, which games do they win, which games do they lose? Well, guys, uh, last week was not, was not our best showing. Uh, uh, I picked the Blazers to win all three games, uh, of course, which is why some people will say uh, they lost all three games. Uh, so I went 0-3 in the picks. Orlando and Jared, you guys went 1-2 uh, and because you thought they would uh, you thought they would beat uh, the Suns and the Wizards. They did not, uh, but you did correctly predict they would lose to the Nuggets. Uh, apparently, my, my theory of them flying, they couldn't be higher than they were on the plane that I said last <laughs> week in my altitude <laughs> argument. Apparently, that didn't hold much weight as they played in that fourth quarter against Denver. Uh, so on the year, Orlando, Orlando and Jared, your records are fine. Orlando's 18 and nine, still leading the way. Jared's 17 and 10. I am, I am 14 and 13, which has to be as Ooh. bad as we've been in the four year of this podcast at this point in the season to be one game above 500. Uh, it's not, it's not going well for me. Well, this is where you get it back, Nate. This okay. is it. So we're going to pick four games here. We're going to pick the rest of the first half of the season. Yeah. Just, play- that means we're going to record next week's podcast. It'll come out on Friday instead of Thursday. We're just going to let the Blazers finish out the first half of the season and then we'll recap it and look ahead. 
Correct. So their next four games, they play the Lakers on Friday night. They then play the Hornets, I believe, on Monday uh, at home. They play the Warriors at home on Wednesday and then the Kings at home uh, a week from today on Thursday. And guess what, guys? The optimism's still there, my friends. I, I'm, not, I'm not betraying. I'm not letting this team down. They go three and one to close Ooh. out here. They go three and one over these four games. We all know the Lakers are struggling. Uh, Anthony Davis out, Dennis Schroeder. I, I don't know if they've said whether or not he'll be able to play against the Blazers on Friday. Uh, but nevertheless, we saw Damian Lillard on national TV on TNT not play his best game against the Nuggets. Friday's game against the Lakers on national TV, my friends. Damian Lillard is showing up, and he is putting on a show. And he's going to beat the Lakers again on national TV. They beat the Lakers. They come back home. The Hornets are playing better. They still beat the Hornets. I'll give Steph a win. They lose to the Warriors. But then they beat the Kings. And, you know, what would the record be if they go 3-1? and 21-14. and 14. They're 21-14 and 14 going into the break, boys. 3-1 and one over this week. Hey, it's still Ooh. optimistic. So I'm not uh, quite as optimistic with these final four games. I'm just looking at what they've done so far this season. We've talked about this in this podcast. Their record against teams that are 500 or better is 5-8. and eight. Their record against teams with a record worse than 500 is 13-5. and five. So listen, I know the Lakers are struggling right now. We talked last week in the MVP conversation about what it would look like. We'd get to see LeBron James try and do what Damian Lillard is doing, playing without his, you know, best teammates and it's not going well they've lost their last four games they're not playing well I know that they're struggling I know the Blazers beat them earlier in the season I know they're without Anthony Davis I'm still going to pick the Lakers to beat the Blazers at home this this losing streak can't keep going you know LeBron James is too good the the players he has around him aren't horrible like he can do what Damian Lillard can do and lift this team to a victory I think this losing streak for the Blazers is going to reach four games they're going to lose on the road to the Lakers the Blazers then get three games at home. But one thing that is interesting is they're not setting the world on fire at the Moda Center this season. They're only eight and six at home. So I'm not going to pick the Blazers to give get this huge home court advantage. That's why I'm going to pick the Blazers to beat those two sub-500 teams in the Hornets and Kings. And I'm going to have them lose to the plus-500 team in the Warriors. So a two-and-two two finish in the first half. To finish the first half, that would have the Blazers finishing by my predictions at 20 and 15. And listen, that's just a much better record than I expected considering all the injuries. I think Nate said it earlier. I had them finishing the first half, I think 18 and 19 or something like that. So this is much better than that. And you'd have to consider the first half uh, a, a major success. Boom. I like that. I do. Um, as much as I want to side with Nate and his optimism, I can't do it, man. Uh, I've, I've gone back and forth on that first game against the Lakers and the thought of uh, LeBron losing five in a row uh, is, is hard for me to imagine. Um, and I've simplified it a lot of the ways that Jared has as well. in just looking at the records, if you've got a winning record, you're beating the Blazers. If you've got a losing record, the Blazers are winning it. And so I think, I'm going to say that the Blazers do exactly what Jared said. They're going to lose to the Lakers and they're going to lose to the Warriors. 
But uh, uh, the, the other ones are dubs. They're wins. Two, two rebuttals to your arguments here. You both said, I can't see LeBron James and the Lakers losing streak continuing. How come neither of you said, I can't see Dame four-game losing streak and the Blazers losing streak continuing? I mean, I get what you're saying, but, you know, I think you could go the other way with that argument as well. And, yes, the Blazers are 5-8 and eight against teams 500 or better this year. But the two teams in these four-game stretch that are above 500, they are 2-1 and one against this year. Granted, full-strength Blazers in all three of those games, but, you know, these are, teams they, these are teams they beat. They've got a chance. So, optimistic Nate, closing out question number three. <laughs> I think I've said this before. I hope Nate's picks are right. I would like those picks more as a Blazers fan than I would mine. So, go Nate. Yeah, there you go. Well, even though Damian Lillard was Western Conference Player of the Week, there's truly only one MVP. That would be the one and only Max Barr. Guys, it's great to be back with another week of ripping. So last week, Orlando picked up another win while the season of struggle continued for Jared. No wins so far. But there's still time. There's still time. Ouch. All I can say is that this has to be a setup for my first win of the season, or else you're just being mean, Max. (laughs) I think think Max Max has taken a page from my book today. I think he's just wanting the audience, wanting Uh. the audience to know. See, I can take Nate, but if Nate and Max start ganging up on me, I just don't know. I'm rooting for you this week, Jared. <laughs> Let's I, I, I'm, need not, it. I'm not the rooting need for it. you, Jared. I'm not rooting for you. <laughs> All right, let's find out how you guys did with your picks last week. We are starting with the loss to the Wizards. And this one was over or under 32 and a half points for NBA scoring leader Bradley Beal. You guys all said over, and you were all correct. Beal scored 37 points in the victory over the Blazers. Going to the Suns game, question was, who will finish with more assists, Damian Lillard or Chris Paul? Jared, you went with CP3, while Nate and Orlando stuck with Dame. Nate said, you you never pick against Damian Lillard. He went against one of the rules of Rip It. <laughs> and Orlando, you said you're just going to keep picking Dame until you miss a few with him. And you missed this one because Chris Paul had nine assists while Dame only had seven. Oh, Dame didn't that Dame not playing the whole game crushed us, Orlando. We did not foresee that being a possibility. Yeah. yeah. That's right. That's a good point. He missed that fourth quarter. He had double digit assists in the other two games last week, too. Yeah. Oh, Jared, you're off to a spoiler alert. Next question, Blazers at Nuggets. Question was who will finish with more assists, Damian Lillard or Nikola Jokic? Uh. Jared, you went with the Joker. You continued picking against Dame. Orlando, you said let it ride, baby. You went with Lillard. (laughs) Nate, you said Dame as well, and you said this is going to be the Blazers' ninth win in a row. Dame's going to be dishing to everybody. (laughs) You were half right. He was dishing to everybody at 13 dimes. Hmm. Jokic only five assists, but he did have 41 points and just light up in his canter. 
Terry Stotts did not make any three pointers from the sideline. No, no, predicted last week. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, next question, same game. It was which team will shoot a better percentage from behind the three point line? Uh, Jared and Nate went with the Blazers. Orlando, you mixed it up and picked Denver. The Nuggets, 14 for 36 from three, 39%. Blazers, 14 of 40, 35%. Mm. So Orlando mm. gets that one. Mm. Close. That was close. You, z- you zagged at the right time, Orlando. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's those clutch stats I talked about earlier. Switch them up and the Blazers get that one. But, man. That's true. Wild card question of the week was over or under four and a half blocks in the next three games for Robert Covington. Jared and Orlando went under. Nate, you went over, and you called your shot. You said he's going to have seven blocks exactly. <laughs> Covington almost did it in the first game. Four blocks against the Wizards, two blocks against the Suns, and one against the Nuggets for oh! a total of seven. Wow. <laughs> Nate nailed it. But you don't get bonus points for that. Oh, and no. That means can't... that Nate and Orlando tied with three out of five this week. Oh, oh. no. I was hoping that you might make a judge ruling that because I called my <laughs> shot. You definitely get... get style points, but you don't get a bonus point. Well, uh, Jared, not only did Max tee you up, but uh, you were not the one. You weren't even involved in the tie of winning. I... Man, it is but not I wasn't nice about to rub that in. <laughs> Man, we we did a good week of our picks were bad this week this week, but our uh, our rip it picks were pretty good. Through two three out of fives and a two out of five is pretty good yeah. by us. Yeah. Uh, I gotta get I gotta get myself a win. I don't know what's happening here. It's your last chance in the first half of the season. <laughs> uh, well, not quite said. because next next week we are gonna have the uh, the annual All Star rip it. So stay oh, tuned. Nice. Yes. Yes. What but the good news for Jared is a new game starts right now, and we're going to get right to it, and we're going to start with Blazers at Lakers. The question is, who will serve up more assists, LeBron James or Damian Lillard? Silent Night Lillard over Jingle Bell James. <laughs> I love yeah, it. I'm the gonna, holidays, they're back. I'm going to pick Dame also. You know the rule, Max. You know the rule. Wow. Okay. Sticking with it. Yep. They, they, all, they all can't see LeBron losing five in a row, and they all can't see him having more assists than Dame, apparently, too. <laughs> it's going to be a fun one. All right, Blazers versus Hornets. Who will grab more rebounds? Robert Covington, P.J. Washington of the Hornets, or LaMelo Ball? Mm. Most rebounds. Give me LaMelo Ball. Man, I'll take Lamelo also. Triple double watch, man. Wow, he was man. I wasn't even considering Lamelo. So he's we're gonna a very nice rookie season. He's a real deal. I mean, he's the rookie of the year at this point. Uh, I think so. Yeah. Let's go with uh, man. I'm going with Robert Covington. Yeah, he bounces cool. back. Had a bad week. He bounces back. Hey, he got you a point last week, man. He did those blocks. He should have got me two points, but the judge was a little harsh. <laughs> All right, Blazers versus Warriors. Who will make more three pointers? Stephen Curry 
or the combination of Damian Lillard and Nasir Little? Oh, my. <laughs> oh, wow. This may be the first two-on-one rip it we've had. you got to give me the combo of Damian and Nasir Little. You're going with the combo meal? Yeah. That's way too fun. All right. Uh, Steph, how, what did he score? 63-61 against the Blazers earlier this year? Uh since it's not Dame by himself, I'm going to go against Dame and pick Steph. <laughs> New wrinkle Ooh. in the rule. Wow. Wow. Okay. Orlando, what do you think? I'm glad that you were the one who had to introduce the new wrinkle because that's exactly where I was going. The fact that uh, Dame has teamed up with someone cancels that out, and I'm allowed to go with Steph Curry on this one. Wow. And what it, now, the better question, the good follow-up is, would Orlando and I have p- just picked Dame straight up against Steph? Because I may have, so I may be I, I may punishing this year little for some reason. He can't have, he can't make negative shots, but we may be. Yeah, so yeah, I was gonna say as, by that logic, Nasir's making negative threes. Yeah, he can't do that. But uh, I think I think we're punishing him as such in our picks. Just so you guys know, Nasir Little in February is making a three pointer and a half per game and shooting fifty seven percent from three. Pretty Steph's awesome. gonna score like fifty four. It's not. Gonna but how many minutes better. is? Little going to play. Yeah, he's been hit and miss game by game. We will see. All right. Fun question. Next one, Blazers versus Kings. Who will block the most shots in this game? Derek Jones Jr., Robert Covington, or Rashawn Holmes? Oh, that was not the King who I expected to be in this question. (laughs) what, what, what were the two Blazers options? I was waiting for what I thought was going to be Whiteside at the Yo, end of so that question. I, dude. What were yeah, the Jones, two Blazers? Jones Jr. and Covington. Whiteside, okay. he's too unreliable with his minutes. I don't, I don't think he, I don't know if he's going to play. Let's, uh, let's ride Rocco again, man. He's, he's the right. guy. Riding the block train. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you, dude. Seven block Rocco. Sign me up. Just because he's been blocking everything lately. I mean, they both have, but Derek Jones Jr., I'm going to give him the nod. He's had, uh, looks like, nine blocks in the past four games, too. So give me Derek Jones Jr. Okay. Derek Jones Jr. also had seven blocks during the same stretch. Robert Covington had seven blocks last Nice. You're right. He did. That brings us to the wild card question, guys. Which team will the Blazers make the most three pointers against? Lakers, Hornets, Warriors, or Kings? It's the Lakers, man. It's national TV. They're they're going to show them up again. It's the Lakers. Now I'm going to go with the Kings. Oh, they do. I'll go Hornets. Oh, okay. Finally, you guys are all picking different guys. I love it. Yeah, I, I almost pulled the Jared there after Jared said his Kings picks. I realized how big, bad the Kings are defensively. Yeah, once he said really that, I was bad. like, oh, they're 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 like the worst <laughs> in the NBA. But uh, we're sticking with it. The Lakers. Yeah, if you're right, if 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 Dame time shows up for the Lakers, then you might be right. Gary Trent. Gar- Gary Trent scored what twenty six against the Lakers in that game earlier this year. That was his big after playing five minutes against Houston this big response after when they played the Lakers. All right, guys, that wraps up another week of rip it fun as always. I, I can't, I can't believe Orlando gets to hold on to the title. <laughs> Are we yeah, still yeah. at 
five wins for Orlando, two for Nate, and the goose egg for me. Oh, what if have... Orlando only has four? Oh, wins. Orlando has four. I yeah, I think that's five. right because we just had, we just had a tie. So okay. yeah, I believe Orlando only has four wins. I have two, and Jared, you are you're like the Nasir Little punishing Damian Lillard uh, in, <laughs> in our new rip it rule right now. We're we're kind of punishing you, even though you can't go negative. Oh man. <laughs> I didn't really understand that. I got to be honest. <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> I, I remember that whole maturity thing? Yeah, it, it went away. <laughs> the skate, Rip it does that. Rip it does that to you. It's like yeah. suddenly like you're out on the court. You just got to talk some nonsense to people. See, I kind of thought I was understanding where you were going, that you're going to try and tell me my performance has been so bad that it's like I have negative wins. But then you went away from the negative wins. I was just completely lost. Yeah, it wasn't one of my better arguments. <laughs> That's all right. Well, sorry to sorry to close the podcast out on that one. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, well, uh, <laughs> we have nowhere to go, but up please come here, back folks. next week. <laughs> we'll please. do better next week. <laughs> Five star reviews. Five star reviews. Where can you get that type of analysis anywhere else in the Blazer <laughs> podcast universe, folks? Nowhere, Nate. Nowhere. <laughs> Only here, folks, as we go off the rails. Thank you so much for rocking with us. We appreciate you. We'll be back next week better than ever. See ya.